Uh, I want to get into our passage of Scripture. I'm going to read from what might be a familiar passage for some of you in Luke chapter 1. It's going to kick us off, and it's quite a bit of Scripture. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. This is from the NIV translation. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. This is what I want you to notice in verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. Do you believe that this morning? No word from God will ever fail. I want to use this Christmas text as a launching point for our message today. I want to speak to you from this subject in due time. In due time. That's the title of this word. And it's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So would you just bow your head with me one more time as we go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that your word speaks. And God, I ask that you would speak through me. Let your word go forth, not my ideas or opinions, but your very word. Give us your perspective, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Is there anything worse than waiting? Is there? I hate waiting. I know hate is a strong word, but... That's just how I feel. I don't know if any of us enjoy waiting, but the Christmas season is filled with waiting. Have you ever noticed that? I, I don't like waiting at all. Like, you know, sometimes people want to, like, invite me out to a restaurant. They're like, man, this, this place is amazing. You have to check it out, and we'll get there. And it's like, you know, it's going to be 15 minutes before we can get you a seat. It's not that good. It might be good, but it's not that good. I don't want to wait 15 minutes to sit down. I will skip the line at Starbucks if it's too long. I don't like waiting. And I don't, I don't know what it would be for you, but Christmas is filled with waiting. There's, there's longer lines. There's more people on the road. There's more people at the airport. You might be waiting on your kids to come home for Christmas. You might be waiting on packages to arrive that you bought off Amazon.com, not sponsoring this message. You might be waiting for Christmas vacation to start. I mean, it's the only holiday that we count down to, Christmas. Unless you're my wife, she also considers her birthday a holiday. She counts down to that. But waiting, we don't count down for 4th of July. We don't count down for Thanksgiving. But Christmas carries with it this 
idea of waiting. And one of the worst feelings in life is to wait, especially when you're waiting on God. I talked to you last week about, you know, having a word for the year. Let me just give you a little pro tip. Do not choose the word patience, okay? (laughs) Or God is going to give you all of 2022 to develop that. And just advice from your pastor, you just don't want that. I'm trying to help you. I don't want that. But some of you, you might feel like you're waiting on God. God, what's taking so long? God, Are you there? God, can you hear me? Are you even listening? God, have you forgotten about me? God, do you even care? I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe it's a prayer that you're praying. You might be praying for some relationship. Maybe it's a restoration of relationship, or maybe just you're lonely and you need a relationship. You could be praying for a new job. You could be praying to be set free from an addiction. It could be You're praying because you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're praying for a friend or a family member to come to Christ. You could be praying for your marriage. You're you're praying, you're seeking God. And many times when you're praying, you're asking God for something, you begin to wonder, God, are you even hearing my prayers? If you've ever felt like God is taking a long time to answer you, if you've ever felt like you're waiting, This message is going to help you. It's funny, that idea of waiting, because that's kind of where we get this idea of Advent from. Christmas is lots of times referred to as the Advent season. Advent, it's not really a Christmas word. It's just a word. It means the arrival or the coming. And so at Christmas time, we we look to the arrival or the coming of Jesus to earth, God sending the Messiah to earth. And so at Christmas, of course, we celebrate the fact that he already has come. Of course, Advent really has three parts. There's the coming of Jesus to the world. There's the coming of Jesus into our hearts. But we also look to his second coming. We are waiting for his second coming. But Advent, not really a Christmas word, but we have this Christmas connotation because we're waiting for him to come and we celebrate that he has come. My kids, though, they The only thing they know about Advent is an Advent calendar. The only thing they're waiting on is for chocolate and candy at the end of the day. Anybody else do the Advent calendars? Yeah, so so always, like, they they can't wait till the end of the meal. Sometimes they just want to skip the meal, go straight to the candy. They they want the chocolate, or my wife makes up her own Advent calendar and puts stuff in there. They're, they're, They're waiting hours, and they're waiting for days leading up for Christmas, But that's nothing compared to how long people in the Bible would have been waiting. People would have been waiting for a a long time. They were not just waiting hours, not just waiting days, weeks, even months. Not just even years. They were waiting centuries. Centuries that the people of God had been waiting and waiting and waiting for God to send a savior. And if you don't know the story, I want to walk you through it a little bit because God promised to send a Messiah. He he promised to send a savior who would make wrong things right, who, who would restore God's plan and purpose to the world, who would redeem mankind from their sin and shame, the bondage of shame in their life. And he promised that he would do it 
and then nothing happened. Decades after decades, centuries after centuries. And there's a lot of places that we could look, but probably the best place to look is to go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis, because that's where the story really starts. If you're not familiar with the story, I'll fill you in. In the Genesis account, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. He created all that we see, everything in it. And he created man, and when he created man, he's, it's the only thing he said was not good. It's not good that man would be alone, and he created Eve and said, now it's good because you're together. He says, I want to bless you. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. Enjoy the garden. Be blessed by it. But there's one thing that I don't want you to do. The one thing I don't want you to do is to touch this tree. Now, sometimes we have trouble understanding this, but I just want you to realize that all love has to have boundaries. Boundaries are blessings in your life. I got this series idea, this maybe sermon series, I don't know. It's called When Love Is Not Love, because all love has to have boundaries. If your love doesn't have love, if your love doesn't have a boundary, it's not love. So God creates some boundaries because God is love, and he says, I want you to enjoy this garden, be fruitful, multiply, but don't touch this tree. I'm not forbidding you from fun. I'm wanting to bring freedom to your life. But they were deceived, as sometimes we are. They were deceived. Eve gave in. Adam gave in. They were ashamed. And God comes to them in their sin. He comes to them in their shame. He doesn't leave them there. And he brings a covering for them. And it's within Genesis chapter 3, you can read it for yourself, where all of this unfolds. There's this one little verse, this unique verse. Maybe you've never noticed it before. But... God doesn't leave them in their shame, and, and he, as he's pronouncing what's going to happen because of the result of their, their sin, he's speaking to Satan who deceived them, and he says this, it's Genesis 3.15, he says, her seed, speaking of the woman, her seed will crush your head. It's this verse that many theologians, scholars believe is the very first prophecy about the Son of God, about the Messiah, her seed will crush your head. Because God can see the fullness of potential and purpose in its seed form. In, in other words, he's saying one day there is going to be a victory over sin. There's going to be a victory over shame. There's going to be a victory over death. There's going to be a victory over hell. I am making a promise. There will be a savior. There will be a Messiah who will come and redeem mankind from this state that you're in. He made the promise all the way back in Genesis, but centuries passed. And we could pick up anywhere in the Old Testament, but I want to go now to another verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 700 years before that passage that we read in Luke. Isaiah prophesied this in chapter 7, verse 14. He says, so the Lord himself will give you this sign, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years before God showed up to speak to Mary, before he sends the angel Gabriel to give her this word and tells her that this word that we read in Isaiah is going to be fulfilled through her. And yet at the time that this word in Isaiah is spoken, we have to wait. 
we wait. What is God doing when you're waiting? What is God doing when you're asking him for help? When, when you're praying for a change, when you're looking for answers, when you're waiting, is God messing with you? I mean, he could do it, but it seems like he's not. Is he just teasing you? Just taunting you? Is he, you know, planning to show off later? These are real questions. Anybody ever ask these questions? Just trying to find an amen this morning. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you have real questions, it's okay to ask those in this church. You can come to God with real questions. It's safe to ask those questions. And I want to try to answer this real question in a way I've never done it before. Uh, I want to answer this question uh, in a way that's probably unique. Because I've preached on a lot of different passages in Scripture. I've, I've preached on entire books of the Bible. I've, I've preached on entire chapters of the Bible. I've preached on entire passages of the Bible. I've preached on verses in the Bible. I've done an entire series on one word in the Bible. But I, I don't think I've ever done this. And um, that's why it's good to sometimes bring a, a physical Bible. Because what I want to preach from is right here. You see that? I, I've, I've preached on verses. And I've preached on one word. I don't think I've ever preached from a blank page before in the Bible. And I want to explain this through something called the intertestamental period. See, the, the intertestamental period is this span of time in Scripture between Malachi and Matthew. The Old Testament ends in Malachi. New Testament begins in Matthew. And if you've ever read the Bible straight through, or maybe you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you'll notice that there's this abrupt shift. It's kind of like what happened. Because in, in Malachi, they're, they're under Persian rule. And then you get to Matthew, and they're under Roman occupation. All this time spans, and the Bible doesn't record anything about it. Now, sometimes, because there's a blank page, what you'll hear people say is that God was silent. God wasn't speaking. It's not exactly true. All right? That'd be like God, that'd be like us saying that God is silent now. Right? God, God still speaks today. But what we can say is that there was no prophetic word. There was no prophetic word. No, 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 nothing recorded in Scripture during this time. There was no word from God. And think about this. Prophetic word, a virgin will conceive, give birth to a son. Waiting on this promise, but at least during this time, God is speaking. Now, in this 400-year span, nothing. Nothing. And I bring that up because perhaps that's how some of you feel. Maybe you've prayed. Maybe you've been seeking God. But you feel like 
he hasn't heard you. Got no sign that he's active. No sign that he cares. And all you want is an answer. Any answer, God. God, give me a sign. Give me anything. Just let me know that you hear what I'm saying. What is God doing when you're waiting? Can I tell you, just because it looks like God is silent doesn't mean that he is absent. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Isn't that what we were singing? What is God doing when you're waiting? Here's what I want to tell you. It's the one message of this sermon. When you're waiting, God is working. When you're waiting, God is working. God is behind the scenes at work in your life. Just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. God works beneath the surface. God works in ways that you can't see. God, God works behind the scenes. And I want to show you a verse that speaks to this. It's found in the New Testament that speaks to God's timing, but also speaks to this Christmas season. It's found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Let me read it to you. It says, but when the time, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. I like that at the right time, at the set time, at the perfect moment. Sometimes when I study a scripture, I like to see how it was written. And uh, in, the, in the Greek, when this was written, it's two words, that set time, that perfect time, that right time. It's pleroma chronos. You're probably familiar with chronos, right? That's like chronological, like chronograph, like a clock, clock time. Pleroma, it, it means full. So at the full time, at the full term at the perfect time at the set moment at the ordained time i heard one person say this way at how to write it down when time was fully pregnant in due time in due time see god's word has a due date has a due date and here's what i've learned about due dates is that with God's due dates anyway. When it's not time, you can't force it. But when it is time, you can't stop it. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. Remember how in Genesis when we read it said the seed of a woman? I don't know if that struck anybody as strange. It kind of struck me as strange because generally, I mean, just biological terms, we think about it as the seed of a man. But here in Genesis... It says, the seed of a woman. Why is that? Well, because Jesus was born of a virgin. He wasn't born from the seed of a sinful earthly man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He has a divine nature, born of a virgin. That's why he could be the perfect, sinless sacrifice for our sins. That's why he could be the innocent one. That's why he could be the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world to redeem us. So centuries passed, people were waiting on the Savior. Well, when did God fulfill his promise? At the right time, at the perfect moment in due time. And here's the thing about waiting. 
lots of times we can't see what God is doing in the moment. Lots of times we only see the why behind the wait in hindsight. Hindsight. I, I've got this idea for a series 2030. I'm going to call it hindsight. We're just going to look back at everything in the 2020s. Because <laughs> they say hindsight is, is 2020. <laughs> but hindsight enables you to see the why behind the wait. When you're waiting, God is working. I, I was talking about this blank page because I've become fascinated with studying what happens in this blank space. You can look it up. I mean, there's history. You can look up all that was going on in the world during this time. But I want to just show you maybe a few highlights that God was doing in this 400-year span when it looked like he was silent. When it looked like he was absent. When it looked like, God, where are you? What is going on? Let me tell you what was going on. First thing you need to know is this name, Alexander the Great. Why is that significant? Well, Alexander the Great, he conquered what was known at the time, much of the, the known world, the biggest ancient empire in history. Spanned 3,000 miles. What was significant about that is because he was trained by Aristotle, Greek thought. Greek became the language of the world. So now, for the first time in history, everybody's got a common language. What else happened? Well, during that time, 280 B.C., the Old Testament, the Bible, the same Old Testament in your Bible was translated into Greek. Everybody speaks a common language. Now, everybody has the Word of God, as was known, the Old Testament, in a language that they can understand. Because Greek thought, culture permeated the world, there was something else that came to light, something called the Socratic Method. Socratic method is, before it was just the way you would learn is what you were told. Now people were beginning to learn by questioning. So people who had been told of all of, you know, polytheism and this is the way things work, now they're beginning to question. In 63 BC, Romans conquered the Greeks. Why is that significant? Well, this was a very unusual and unprecedented time of peace because there were no wars to be fought, and it was a large empire, now they're spending their money and resource building roads, building highways, building transportation systems, connecting all these towns and cities throughout the world. What else? This word, the diaspora. A diaspora is just it's a term used for the Jews who were dispersed throughout the world because they were not allowed to live in Jerusalem, so they scattered throughout the world. Why is all this significant? Well, when you add all these things up, you can begin to see the why behind the wait. Where were you, God? What were you doing? When everybody was waiting, when it looked like you were silent, he wasn't absent. In that 400-year span, think about this. Everybody in the world speaks a common language. Everybody in the world has the Bible, the Old Testament, in a language that they can understand, that they can read. Everybody in the world is beginning to question what they had known and begin to look to and question these messianic prophecies that are in the Bible. The, because the highways are connecting all these cities, now 
the word can get out. What word? The word that God has sent his son, the word in the flesh, can get out to the world. To the Jews first who are scattered all over and then to the Gentiles next. What is God doing when you're waiting? He's working. He's working. In the same way, when you're praying and you're wondering, God, what's happening? Can you hear me? God is always working behind the scenes. Now, some of you might be in a place where, where I've been before. You might feel like you're in a holding pattern. You might think, God, what have I done wrong or have I done something wrong? Is there sin in my life? Do I not have enough faith? Is there, something, is there something I've done? Is there something that I need to do? God, why is nothing happening? Can I tell you, if you felt that way, you're not alone. There's lots of people who waited in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, they waited 25 years, 25 years to hold their baby Isaac. There's this man named Joseph. Joseph, he had this vision and dream to lead, to make a difference with his life. Waited 13 years, 13 years before we'd ever see it happen. Most of that time, he was in prison for a crime that he did not commit. There was this woman in the New Testament, this woman had this issue in her life that kept her from having any kind of real relationships with people, kept her from intimacy. It damaged her emotionally. It cost her financially. For 12 years, she dealt with this issue, waiting till one moment she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was made whole. There was another man in the New Testament. 38 years he waited. He couldn't walk. He waited for a healing. He, he waited for somebody to help him, for God to do something in his life, to get in this pool because he thought that God would bring the answer. That way, 38 years he waited until one day Jesus spoke to him and said, get up. And he walked out on two feet. Maybe you're waiting. But if you're waiting, God is working. You might be hoping, you might be wondering. Know this. God is working. Just because he hasn't yet doesn't mean that he's not going to. Maybe, maybe it's just not time. I don't know what it is that you're waiting on. Maybe you're waiting on an answer. Maybe you're waiting on provision. Maybe you're waiting on a relationship, waiting on a breakthrough. But maybe it's just not ready. Maybe God's still working on it. When God seems slow, it's often because he's doing something you don't know. He's, he's working behind the scenes. It could be that he's working on you. Maybe God is teaching you to depend on him in a way that you haven't before. Maybe God is wanting to develop gratitude in you to get some entitlement off of you. Maybe God is wanting to make sure you have a good foundation. He's wanting you to be sure of what your values all are, to firm up your values so that you have a foundation in the future when adversity comes. Maybe he's establishing some humility in you so that pride doesn't take you out in the future. Don't you know the weight is worth it? The weight is worth it. Last week, I talked about how the word became flesh. 
how Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Word, became flesh. I was thinking maybe a different way to say that. Maybe what Christmas reminds us is that God is a man of his word. He's a man of his word. Isn't that what the angel said? No word from God will ever fail. I want to read to you another verse from Isaiah. Because after Isaiah prophesied about how God would come, he said this later on. 55 verse 11. He's God speaking through him. He says, my word, which comes from my mouth, is like the rain and snow. It will not come back to me without results. It will accomplish whatever I want and achieve whatever I send it to do. His word is at work. What Gabriel said to Mary, I want to say to you, if God has given you a word, no word from God will ever fail. It's working while you're waiting. If God said it, you can trust it.